this year's closet and last year's closet. Well, um, we're going to have more student voice, regular guest editorials. What about the music and the insightful investigative reporting? Um, oh, the gossip. Yeah, that'll still be there. Oh, thank my rainbows. Great. Let's get started. Hand me a glue stick and the glitter. Welcome to Closets Are For Clothes. Hello, 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 good to see you. Hi, Chaz. Hi, Alex. Hello, everyone. And hello, Dave. Hey, Gabe. How are you today? I'm doing this real beautiful good. Day, this doing good. You know what I like day. about this this time of the year? Um, what? I like the uh, the fact that it's so warm outside that people are wearing less clothing. It's true. No, you know what I really enjoy is that, um, you know, as soon as it gets warm, the first day it gets warm then all of a sudden like there's all these people um and you're like where did all these people come from because yeah. in the winter they're all like wrapped up and yeah, stuff right people are hiding they're all hiding way. and they're not only not only are they not hiding but they 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 feel the propensity to have to tan and yeah, i appreciate <laughs> that in them i appreciate their their desire to tan and i d- appreciate their desire to um want to get you know shirtless and do yeah. so I, I like the fact that uh, with the summer weather, you have more people out doing all sorts of creative things. They're wearing uh, T-shirts. They're wearing shorts. They're wearing just all sorts of uh, all sorts of uh, things, which are just more uh, like showing showing summary. more of themselves. Summary. Yeah. But you know, summary. I do have to tell you something though. I have um, I sort of have a discomfort with toes. You know, did you... You don't like toes? I'm wearing sandals. No, no, no. I like toes, oh. but perhaps it's my own. I what? don't like my own toes. Let's see your toes. No, I can't. No. Show the radio no. audience your toes. No. Mm. It's, they're inappropriate for, for children. Um, so, so... I, I Well, I'll tell you. Uh, sandals have an appropriate place. And I kind of like the, I kind of like the sandals. I kind of like the t-shirt and you shorts. Because you can't wear open-toed shoes... At work? No, absolutely not. Clearly, absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, you know. and, and, no. I'm, I'm. When I'm working, I'm in a uniform. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I look a certain way. And in fact, we wear. Um, our company wears short sleeve dress shirts, which uh, are as part of you know uniform. very cool. Well, they they feel cool, but I don't think they look cool. I prefer a long sleeve dress shirt myself. I think a short sleeve <laughs> dress shirt with a tie I'm is being, kind of a fashion so far. Oh, you're you're, yeah. you're, being, <laughs> you're being, well, we're, we we wear a tie. That's it's true, that, but that's you have epilepsy. I love epilepsy. We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> do you have different epilepsy for like different, you know, seniority? That's or? right. That's how it works. Oh, really? Yeah, you do? The, yep. Uh, flight attendants will have one or two stripes, or sometimes no stripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, first officers will have three. Captains will have four. So, how many do you have? I have three. I'm a first officer. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, we we in. Uh, when we're working, we have to wear our uniform and uh, we have to look a certain way. And, and it's nice to take a day off and to be able to just let it loose, just kind of uh, wear whatever you look. Pre- I, I like just running around in, in a shirt and jeans, mm-hmm. and it's, it's such a relief. It is. And when, it's you, nice. when you have to work in a uniform all day, it's a relief to just kind of wear common clothing. And so that's where we are again with this whole st- summer theme is that right now you see people wearing – all, you know, just little bits of clothing, and you just you, just, you see more people. And I, I kind of like to see. It's people. like, are you wearing a pillowcase? No, no, no. <laughs> That's an empire waist dress that she's wearing. Yeah. Um. So you know what else happens during the summer? The Queen's birthday. Oh yeah. 
It, absolutely the queen's birthday which happened my yesterday <laughs> <laughs> that's right my birthday was yesterday oh. june the 12th and and you know the Happy fun thing is <laughs> it's right so you. you know the really funny thing is that i um i'm filipino and that my birthday is actually filipino independence day so it's really kind of funny because when I was 12, did I tell this story already? No, you When haven't. I was 12, you know, that's golden birthday because 12 on the 12th, right? Right. So like whenever you're, you're X on the X. So. Oh. <laughs> is this a new concept? This is a new concept. Absolutely. No. So so when I turned 12 on June 12th, it was my like golden birthday or whatever. Huh. And um, we had this picnic in the park and my dad hung just huge Filipino flag. Oh, and wow. it was, I, and of course, being twelve, I was real embarrassed. Absolutely, oh. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I was real embarrassed, but you know, it is what it is, and it was a nice birthday. I had to work all day, and I had to work all night, but my friends are going to take me out tonight, so I'm pretty excited. Okay, so you didn't get a chance to celebrate the Independence I Day. I didn't. I didn't get a chance to, you know, celebrate. But you know, I did go home this weekend to St. Louis and see my family. Aw, what did they so, do? Anything? Yeah, we had a big barbecue actually. Nice. We had a big Filipino did barbecue. They, so did they hang the flag? No, <laughs> I, I don't know where that flag is anymore. We did have a roast suckling pig, so we had a, a huge, you know, wow. the, the whole pig in, pig in the spit and the uh-huh. apple in the mouth. Heard thing. about it. We had that, so <laughs> yeah, so it was good. It was wow. very good. It was, nice. it was a nice visit, and uh, I saw my friends back home in St. Louis. How and, nice. Yeah, and the weather was nice. So Absolutely. Wow, so it was nice even down there. I it mean, was. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a little more humid in St. Louis, but... But Absolutely. It was nice. Good. So, yeah. Dang. Okay, so what happened? I didn't get the phone call. Every, all you guys got the phone oh, call. Yeah. Well, that phone call. No, no, no. Just, you all just picked up your phone. I was no, like, no, did I, something I, happen that I, I didn't, I, I I didn't bring my phone? I just my ringer off. Oh, oh okay, Not gotcha. Guys, Not that anyone ever calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I keep writing your number on the bathroom stall. Oh, you know, I'm not. it's not working. Oh. Yeah. Now, do you guys remember a couple weeks ago, we're gonna, this is going to kind of lead into our topic for tonight, but do you remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about visibility? Well, I was just about to ask. You. And, so what and, did you end up doing? Oh right, right, with the with the pin, right? Or something. well, I asked you guys, what should I do to sort of represent our our group, our family? And our I felt kind of lame that I didn't give you really good good a uh, good. I uh, didn't get a lot of good answers out of you no, guys. Oh, you did. Um, I felt that my answer was good. Okay, well, <laughs> you I, said stiletto heels or something. Oh. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, all right, mean... what I did was I I uh, I went and 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 bought a. Uh, I wanted some kind of a rainbow tag to put on my suitcase because my suitcase goes everywhere. I'm always walking with it because you're always carrying your luggage with you and then it, it always goes in the airplane and it's, it's always right around. And it was actually hard to find just like a little tag of just the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Really? But guess what I found? I found a dog collar. No. <laughs> no. Yes. And so, the, so you wouldn't the wear dog, heels to work, but the, you wore a dog collar Well, to work. I didn't put it around my neck, although oh, it oh. did fit, but it was a nice <laughs> size... It's a nice size collar, and I put it on the handle strap, the the strap of my suitcase, and it's very colorful, and it's it's a rainbow, right? It's it's yeah. very nice, and it's very obvious, yes. but it's but it's also subtle in a way that it doesn't say you know big big you know big gay or, right. or love love gay people or something like that. It's right, just a right. rainbow flag. That's that's all it is, which means diversity, which means all sorts yes. of things. Which is really the the purpose of the rainbow is like where everybody's included. Right. Yes. Right, and so. Uh, the, st- the thing is, though, I, I had it now for the past uh, past week, four-day okay. trip that I was on. Been all over the, the eastern side of the country traveling, and uh, no one has said a thing to me. Uh, no one has apparently noticed that they've let me know about. So I, 
Apparently, yeah. I don't think I, I don't know if so I've had any impact. So, do you think that they've seen it? Well, I'll tell you something. I don't I don't know about the people, but I have a lot of little poodles following me around. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> we walked wah, right into wah, that. <laughs> please, no, wah, please. Is that a new name for Everybody, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> poodle. Uh, no, well. No, no one has made any con. I was kind of hoping that having that, it would be sort of a solidarity thing, and other gay people might say, oh, there's a friend, or there's somebody who also celebrates diversity. There's a dog lover. Or there's a dog lover. Yeah. You, well, you can't really or tell it's a there's collar. There's someone but... who's into kink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I guess. I wasn't, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't what I was intending. But, so I'll, I'll, let, I'll keep you guys updated. Absolutely. And, and let you know. But there's Please been, do. There's been nothing so far. No one said anything. So does this dog collar also have like little uh, spikes on it? No, no, no spikes. A bell. No, does it have a bell? No, it's very simple. It, it, okay. And it's a little button and latch collar and it's on the handle oh. and it's, it's it's just a nice little you know i have a couple things i have a i have an identification identification tag okay right that says you know this is my suitcase in case you find it somewhere right uh, right uh i have a uh i have a uh a, a gate check tag you know which means means that if it has to get loaded in the cargo hold they bring it right back to me oh you know, okay thing. and then i have the little the rainbow Thing. Yeah. So excellent. I think it's a nice little addition to my luggage. I think luggage. it is. Oh, good. And I think it's a nice little way of just saying, you know, if you're if you're out there, make contact or, or something. Right. I'm single. So why do you think we I need like to, to have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't say anything about single or not. But you know, why why have that? Do you think? Do, because do straight people need to have a little tag that says you know or, or represents a straight culture? Well, I mean, I think this is part of my my joke that I love about when I go camping at gay campgrounds. I mean, I think. Camping. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some people, I was talking to somebody last night about that I go camping, and they were like totally stunned that I go camping. But they said, you just are not the camping type of guy. But anyway, um, I, I think that like when I want to stand out from the majority community because everybody assumes that I'm straight, mm-hmm. I believe it, not everybody, but anyway, but uh, <laughs> you know, that, I, that everybody assumes that I'm straight um, until otherwise notified. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, yes, I think that in those situations, yeah, a rainbow flag or something indicating saying, look, don't make an assumption about me. Yeah. But that's if the, that's if the people know what that represents. Them, right. Right. And, right. And we, and, and I think the reason why I put that tag on my suitcase was because I'm assuming that the majority of the people who recognize and understand that symbol are gay mm-hmm. and that, the, and that or if, allies or allies mm-hmm. and that if they see that they think oh great we have a we have a gay pilot uh, you know that makes me feel good that you know a, a gay person can be employed and and I guess maybe this company is accepting of that or right or he's Open not scared doors. of, of uh, representing himself or right. maybe or, or just I have a friend there's another friend exactly. exactly and you know you know at the office here at the office of LGBT affairs we have this ally program and uh, at the end of the program people get a, a logo that says M ally and it has a rainbow on it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, why? Like, what? And, you know, students who are just coming to college for the first time, and a lot of times they're just coming into their sexuality. Like, so a lot of people see it, and not everyone will understand what it means, but the people who need to see it and who are looking for it will see it. And that's yeah, what I have issue with that. Yeah. I right. actually do have issue with that. Uh-huh. Um, um, is that. <sighs> The, the issue that I have with that is that I have come across people that have rainbow flags um, up on their door mm-hmm. or um, and that are straight and that are allies. Um, but then when I actually start talking to them about various issues like and uh, hate uh, hate crimes, oh, um, they 
they're not very supportive. Sure. And and I'm like, how did you get a hold of this flag? I mean, mm-hmm. I want to know how you got a yeah, hold of this. Turn in your flag. You're not. Well, yeah. No, I, get, I, think I get upset with that. Of, I think that there's certainly degrees of allies. Absolutely. I also think like in this particular context, we don't give the ally sticker out. You have to go through an eight-hour training. And that yeah, there is a difference. So, right. so so they've earned it. So absolutely, they've earned that. Yeah. Quite literally, they've. They, right. We don't give it out, even if you know you have been a social justice ally mm-hmm. for ten years and you've been in the University of Michigan for you know and you've protested and you've been, and you understand the issues if you don't go through the training you don't get the sticker I support that then I, that's I, then that's okay with me I mean, I mean anyone just, can call themselves an ally right so, absolutely for example I used to work at the rape crisis center here mm-hmm. um, and part of my job was trying to get men to be allies to end mm-hmm. sexual violence so we would say things like you know it's not enough to be a good man it's not enough to just say oh I don't rape that makes me a good man. Oh my goodness! Because that is you're right. That is not good enough. That's not good. Enough. I am sorry. Absolutely. So, so what does it now mean to be a good? What does it mean to be an ally to someone who's a survivor of sexual violence? And it's not. It's not enough to say, I watch Will and Grace to say, or I have a gay neighbor. That doesn't make you an ally. That makes right. you someone who knows a gay person. Yeah. Will they stand up for you? And if, sure. if you're being yeah. verbally accosted or right, and allyhood is yeah. really hard. And even the best allies fail. Yeah. Well, but well, everybody has yeah. different strengths. But that the rainbow image, the pink triangle, the equal sign—they all mean different things mm-hmm. to different people. Mm-hmm. So what does it? I mean, what does it mean to us? I mean, we embrace the rainbow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to other people? Does it mean? Does it mean that you are gay? Does it mean that you are supportive? Does it mean? I think it, what it means in, in the general community, and again, I'm I'm I can't speak for the general community, but I think from talking to various folks is that they think of it more as that that are allies or part of the community that they're they're aware that they have an awareness of what that symbol means, or aware that you have a connection somehow with the. Um, uh, TBLG community. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to switch. Well, my... and you know, the, and the straight people. What does it mean to them? I think it. I think it. And you can't control what other people right. think. But it probably right. just means to them. Oh, that's a gay. That's a gay person. That's a lesbian. And that's why we, oh, we like. I encourage people to ask. Yeah. Yeah. The only way to really figure out what ask it means me about to my person. rainbow. Sure. I guess I need another sticker or something. Well, and you know, there's lots of actually stickers or stickers and and shirts that are meant to. Um, to sort of stir up conversation. So the gay find yeah. by me. So there's a huge college um, uh, sort of movement for these shirts that are in different colors. And mm. the, it says in plain letters, gay, question mark, find by me. Mm. And it was started, I think, in Notre Dame and Duke. And just students kept wearing them. And so, or there's also shirts that say, like, this is what an ally looks like. And it's really meant to stir this conversation. Yes. Well, and that's one of the things is as we're as I'm listening to you guys, one of the things that I'm thinking of is that I consider myself an ally to the transgender community and to the bisexual community and even the lesbian community. You know, it's interesting you say that, but uh, you, you'd have no way of knowing that by looking at you, honestly. Right. <laughs> right. You, they don't know who their allies are, right. and and it's not obvious that you're one unless right. unless what. Right, and I didn't let you finish your sentence. No, no, but, but I think that's one of the things is you're you're right that I they don't know, but at the same time, I also realize that I sometimes don't um, speak up properly for uh, my other brothers and sisters in my community, and I think that that's where. Well, that's why we have to consider know. allyhood. I'm sorry, I didn't mm-hmm. let you finish. That's all right. I'm getting used to it, you guys. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> so, like when we talk about social justice and allyhood, right? You yeah. know. 
it's about cross movements. It's about um, it's not just one cause, right? Right. Um, and uh, the thing about Alleyhood is, like I said, we all fail. Right. And but we won't all fail at the same moment in time. Yes. So the point in be- having ally programs and doing safe zone pro- trainings and stuff like that is an all in. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't speak up, maybe someone else will. Mm-hmm. So we often say, like, uh, if we ever see a really offensive shirt, mm-hmm. you know, one person telling a person, oh, I don't like your shirt 50 times mm-hmm. may not do anything. But 50 people telling that one person, I don't like your shirt, mm-hmm. that's going to be impactful. Absolutely. So allyhood is an all in. Right. You know? Well, and the other thing to maybe to, to talk about as well is, you know, the new allies who are feeling guilty in the sense of like, oh, I may not be able to stand up. I think that there's that there's also room for growth in that sense of, you know what, because I remember very early early on in my um, understanding of my privilege and how it relates, especially my privilege around being white. And I actually, I went to a, to a, a presentation um, on, on racism and being an ally or, or dealing with my own racism and things. And one of the things, the questions I asked was like, well, how can I, as a white person, use my privilege to um, fight racism or uh, to kind of, uh, I think at the time I might even said to make up for the racism that, that I'm aware of. Interesting. And the person fired back at me and says, and says I'm not going to answer that question because I don't want to deal with your um, your white guilt. Oh. And I, like ever since then, have been had to be really aware of why I'm asking those questions. Mm-hmm. And so in dealing with, no, I'm not saying it was a right answer or a wrong answer, but it definitely made an impact on me of what an ally means. Absolutely. And, and so that's one of the things, because we, we have a lot of listeners who are allies, and I, and I but may not, may not be out about their being an ally, mm-hmm. because I think they go through a coming out process as well. Absolutely. And, and their willingness or ability to be able to, to actually say, um, or when they see discrimination occurring, um, or that to to, to to confront that, that it is a phase. But the, yeah, and that's how social change, I think, happens. Is that allies start to become more obvious, and they become yes. more obvious by counter uh, counteracting right. uh, a negative uh, opinion or act right. uh, of somebody else. They come. They become more obvious by announcing and, and just. Pro- proclaiming that they are an ally, right? Of what, and this could be of anything. This could be of vegetarians. This could be of gay people. Oh, absolutely, whatever. right? Yeah. Um, but typically, if you're in a work environment, we'll be talking about this, I think, in a little bit. Yes. But if you're in a work environment and somebody doesn't like you because you're gay or right. lesbian or transgendered, you're you're sort of stuck with that person right. in your work environment, yeah. and your work is really important to you because it's it, it really hits close to home because that's your income. Well, your it's income, also where you spend most of your time. Yeah, that's true. You, you see know? Your, you see your work coworkers more than you see your own family. Yep. Probably, I yes. don't know. I mean, I see my coworkers more than my own parents and anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my my coworkers are constantly you know cycling through and changing. Right. Yeah. right. Um, but you know you're. You don't want to risk your job, and so by admitting certain things about you yourself, which may be in conflict with the the company where you're working mm-hmm. as a whole, or the people with with who you are working, mm-hmm. you're putting your income at risk because yep. 
and it's I, I, it's happened. People have been fired for being gay. Yep. People have been uh, ostracized within a company. They might keep their job, but they get ostracized out of social circles and out of other important places because you're gay. I think you opened up a, a perfect because one of the things that I was going to talk about this evening, because um, one of the things we're going to be talking about is is ENDA, the Employment Non Discrimination Act. And one of the things that why I think it's really important for is that and I didn't even know this. It was just in researching for this topic. Is that um, back in 1992, a Detroit postal worker was harassed and beaten at work because of his perceived sexual orientation and was told by the federal court that although he had clearly suffered discrimination, homosexuality is not um, a protected class. Not protected class. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, and it wasn't, it did not, they don't say anything about in that particular case whether he was, um, uh, what gender he was or gay right. or straight. It just basically said that even though that was what you, you were truly discriminated against, exactly. you're not covered. And so what that means in, in the courts is that they people can't, can't bring that forth as an argument correct well, and there's no there's no defense i mean i mean there's right. the, you can't defend yourself in a legal in a in legal terms so therefore there are, it's okay to be done it's okay for people to discriminate unless there's some type of legal recourse right against it right exactly and that was one of the things that i found when i was reading um julie nemesek's um uh, newsletter her summer newsletter mm-hmm. um and about that the majority most people are quite surprised to discover that those um, that these pro- these protections are not already a pl- place across the country, and that's why we have Julie Nemesek mm-hmm. on the phone uh, from uh, Julie Nemesek uh, Consulting Services. Ooh. Hi, Julie. Hi. How are you? Good. Hi. Good. Welcome to Closets Are for Clothes. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that we were talking about this evening is about ENDA, the the Employment Non Discrimination Act, and um, and. I was reading uh, your newsletter today, and and one of the things is that as you're going out and talking to folks, that you're finding that folks actually don't know that this is not a covered, that gays, uh, the gender expression and sexual orientation are not covered um, as a uh, to not discriminate against. Yeah, many people assume that the protections are already there, even in the LGBT community, and they aren't in most states. There are about twenty states that do. Uh, um, of discrimination, banned discrimination based on sexual orientation, and 13 states of that group that uh, ban um, discrimination based on gender identity or gender expression. But uh, um, people in other states are not protected. Could could we, for a moment, define what discrimination is? Because if you know, if, if I look up, uh, I if if we talk about a, a dictionary de- uh, definition. Of discrimination, it's it's making a distinction in favor or against a person or a thing based on a group, class, or category, uh, in which yeah. in which that person or thing belongs, rather than the individual's merit. So how how would you define discrimination in the workplace? Well, in the workplace, it means um, not giving someone a chance to be hired or mm-hmm. uh, firing someone because of sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, it also would include uh, practices that might limit or segregate or classify employees or applicants separately because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, those are the two areas that ENDA, which is just concerned about employment non-discrimination, um, uh, covers. Okay, so would uh, with this with the ENDA with the ENDA Act with the would ENDA cover somebody who's already working? 
Yes, okay. absolutely. Um, they couldn't, you know, currently in, in Michigan in particular, if an employer says you're gay, you're fired, uh, there's no recourse. Right. Um, but with ENDA, there would be protection. Fantastic. And it's, and it's not necessarily um, just, just in just hiring them, but also um, with uh, discriminating them against what the, their ability is or how they're performing their work. Absolutely. The, the simple, you know, the simple part about non-discrimination laws is, is whether it applies to sexual orientation or gender identity or religion or race is that people should be able to be hired, employed, promoted based on their ability to do the job. Absolutely. So this is, ENDA is not necessarily new. This is not something where we just started in the past couple of years. It's actually been going on for the probably the last 10 or 15 years. Um, wow. it, it just has been um, uh, defeated at, um, it, I'm not necessarily, it's come, actually come out of committee several times, but, it's a, uh, but it just hasn't been approved, I guess, by the Senate or, or House mm-hmm. of Representatives. Um, and from what I was um, and so, like, I think the first time it was, was that they actually did actually introduce it was in 1994. And there's been actually – go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh. You're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And um, and so um, – and there's been some progress, like, with the executive order by Bill Clinton to um, – that you could not discriminate against sexual orientation back in 1998. Um, and there's been some, I guess, retaliation in the sense that some folks tried to limit – uh, federal funding to, to, to be able to enforce um, his executive order. Um, but there's also been uh, uh, some, I guess, some controversy of whether to include uh, gender identity or not include gender identity. And I was kind of surprised that Barney Frank at one time, I don't know if he still is, um, who's a representative for the, from Massachusetts, that um, he was actually against having transgender folks be included or gender identity be included in the um, in ENDA. Do you know anything about yeah, that? Yeah, uh, and, that, and that, that's something that has grown in understanding in the last few years, and I think that's part of the reason it's included now in both the House and the Senate versions of ENDA that are being advanced this year. Um, all the LGBT com- groups are on board saying that if gender identity isn't in it, we don't want it. Um, and, and so gender identity uh, is in the new law. I, I think in part because for whatever reasons in the last uh, three or four years, maybe even particularly in the last year, there's been a lot of attention paid to, to gender identity, and people are beginning to understand it more uh, and be able to um, deal with it in a way that's positive. Can you... Who is specifically, according to the text of the act, who is specifically protected by it? Um, any employee in an organization, uh, well, the act specifies specifically to prohibit employment discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Mm-hmm. And if you're in an organization that has 15 or more employees, you're covered. Mm. So 15, one, five or more. Is there, is there is there a reason why it's there's a number like 15? Well, that's been in the past. It's been there because um, to protect the mom and pop stores that have a hard time uh, employing people and and often are just family operations. Um, it was thrown in there to appease the small business owner. So it, I, I guess it suggests that a larger organization can better accommodate or integrate 
with people who are not like themselves. Absolutely, and, and so much research shows that it, it, is, it makes all the sense in the world, not only morally and, and ethically, but fiscally. It's good business sense. You know, the LGBT community in 2006 was a $641 billion consumer group. Uh, that's a lot of money. Oh. And organizations that are uh, understanding that are recognizing that it's helpful not only for marketing, but also for hiring more and more Students coming out of college these days want to be in organizations that um, have clear non-discrimination policies. Now, go ahead. And, is that ba- and, and when you're saying that more and more students are wanting to be part of an employer that incl- that is more inclusive, we're talking about whether they're straight, gay. Um, Absolutely, yeah. It, 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 it's, it's just um, the generation that's coming out of college in many ways gets it. <laughs> right, exactly. And There's hope. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, according to uh, the act is is protecting the employment, and does the act address uh, benefits such as health benefits for same sex couples? Um, it does, and the language in that that part of it, um, I, I think, is somewhat problematic because it isn't entirely clear um, what it says. It pretty much says that if other laws in a state that prohibits same-sex marriages, prohibit those kind of benefits, this will not override those laws. Okay, and because we have that problem in Michigan, and that's, that's yeah. a recent development where they... But they, it would still allow them to be employed, but the same-sex benefits, or, you know, the domestic partner benefits could be uh, in, in trouble in places like Michigan. Yes. Will it, Julie, will it, um, will it override... The states, for example, the state of Michigan's non-discrimination policy, will, will the, the, if ENDA were to pass, would, would it override Michigan's state policy? Absolutely. Uh, it, would, uh, it would be like the Civil Rights Law of 1964, Title VII, which immediately made civil rights um, law applicable all over the country. It would become federal law everywhere. Uh, but if someone wanted to pursue a state lawsuit, um, they wouldn't be able to do that, but they would be able to do a federal lawsuit. I suspect that once ENDA passes, the states that do not have sexual orientation and gender identity in their state policies will move quickly to get on board. It's what happened with the civil rights legislation of 64 and the American with Disabilities Act. So hopefully the same thing will happen again. So you just returned from D.C., is that correct? Yeah, I was there for some lobbying uh, as part of the National Center for Transgender Equality Lobbying Day and, and met with uh, Senator Stabenow and then representatives of uh, my congressman, Tim Wahlberg, and uh, Carl Levin, and three other Michigan uh, representatives. And it was a good visit. How did, they re- how did they respond to your visit? Were they... They were very, very positive. It was kind of, kind of fun because uh, my spouse was with me, Joanne, and we were featured in a story in Newsweek that came out the day before we did our lobbying. And so on their coffee tables in almost every office we went to was Newsweek. <laughs> we should have handed we out copies of it. We you about transgender. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was just a natural segue to, to a good discussion. And, and we were received very positively in every office. And uh, I was really pleased with that. 
in some offices that I didn't expect to be supportive, promised to study the issue and read the newspaper article. And uh, yeah, I hopefully w- they'll... Has Wahlberg always, Representative Wahlberg, always been supportive, or? No, yeah, I don't think he would. Okay, be okay, that's what I thought. That's why I was like well, surprised. But even so, even if I, I talked with his uh, um, one of his legal counsel representatives and his staff, uh, who was at first very nervous about talking with us. Right. Um, but by the time we were done, committed to reading the Newsweek article and said he would, you know share the information I gave him with, with uh, Congressman Wahlberg. Yeah, but the, the nature of politics is that they can be, have a supportive public face, and when it comes to voting, oh, everything changes. Got it. And, and because sometimes legitimate or not, but sometimes additional things are put in with bills and which are disagreeable. Mm-hmm. And, and yep. so you have, to, you have to say yay or nay with the whole, with the whole package. You can't uh, just say uh, do line item issues voting. And can I take a little sidebar, actually? Um, uh, Julie, one of the things that we, we've been talking about a lot in the last month is actually going and talking to um, your representative or your senator, and, whether in Lansing or in D.C. Um, how did you like prepare for these yeah. visits? Julie, and how... could you explain how to do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's important to go there well-armed with information about where the Congress member or senator, you know, or the, or the representative has been on issues. If they've been supportive, it's still an important visit. Thank them for their support. If they get a lot of heat for taking positions that are supportive of LGBT issues. Um, so thank them for their support and tell them you appreciate it and, you know, be, be genuine about that. Absolutely. If they haven't been supportive, try to understand what the reasons are for that and, and come armed with whatever information you can to, to give them. What we heard consistently, and I've heard I've done lobbying at the state level as well, is that these visits do make a difference. Uh, when people take the time uh, to visit with their congressman, whether at the state or federal level, the congressman or, and or their staff you know, recognize that this is a very, very important issue. And for each visit, they, there's 10 or 20 or 30 people that aren't there that this one visit represents. And I'll bet there are plenty of people who are against the uh, ENDA right. who are visiting their Congress people because they're, they're, I think the opposition is better organized. Right. Oh, absolutely. One, one congressman told us that uh, for the hate crimes legislation that just recently passed the, the House of Representatives, they got 7,000 calls against wow. uh, and 63 in favor. Yeah. So, oh, my word. And, and, that, but, and that doesn't represent the po- – I'm sure it doesn't represent the population, but it does no, represent no, no, that they're better, they're, they're better organized. But that goes to show a even – A poll that came out uh, two weeks ago, a Gallup poll came out that said 89% of the American population are in favor of civil rights protection for LGBT people. Right, which just sort of shows how more how more important it is that we call, especially if it's seven seven thousand to sixty three. I mean, that's I mean that's, that's a good number. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, that's that is quite a uh, quite a difference. That's Pat Robertson calling sixty five hundred times. Yeah. You know, and, so, and, and and then his his four hundred viewers, you know, calling the other times, and so then, then plus or minus a hundred, you know, callers uh, accuracy. Right. Julie, so yeah. so about the the. The people who don't want ENDA, the the arguments against ENDA. So I'm reading a quote here from um, 
the Family Research Council, which is a fundamentalist Christian organization. And they said, you know, ENDA will require Americans to hire people they believe to be committing immoral acts precisely because they commit those acts. It violates employers and employees' freedom of religion, of speech, and association. How do we, how do we, what's the counter argument there? Well, how do we respond to someone well, who throws that at us? That particular group needs to be slapped down every time they open their mouth. They don't do legitimate research. The people they quote are angry at them for quoting them out of context and making what they say sound exactly the opposite of what their research shows. So that Family Research Council is, is a joke, an arm of uh, James Dobson and Family Focus that doesn't do uh, any peer-reviewed research. Right. That said, they give families a bad name is what they do. Yeah. Go ahead, Pardon? Julie. I, I was saying they give families a bad name, but... I interrupt you. Yeah, they do. Uh, but uh, responding to the, the, the position they're taking is very simple, and it has protections for religious organizations. If the primary purpose of the religious organization is worship or the teaching or spreading of doctrine or belief, they are, they are exempt from ENDA, as are the armed forces. Um, if... Uh, a group doesn't qualify under that, they can exempt certain positions that do do that kind of teaching or supervising of a religious order or are leading in worship. So uh, there are protections for them. It's, it's not about free speech. It's about employment discrimination. Uh, there's nothing in ENDA that would in any way, shape, or form prohibit anybody from saying anything, however hateful. Um, but uh, it, when it comes to employment, People need to be able to be employed for their skills and for their ability, for who they are as people. Absolutely. You know, could you help explain? Because I, I can, I have this like brain, like lock when this happens. Is that um, with the armed forces? I don't understand. It says that um, this bill does not undo any special rights or privileges um, concerning the employment of veterans. And I was sitting there, kind of like, well, what, well, what special rights do they have that we would necessarily be undoing? Well, some. Some organizations actually give preferential treatment to the hiring of veterans, and and so it doesn't undo uh, under, undo any of that. Uh, it doesn't, you know, doesn't doesn't change that. Okay. Um, but it, it in terms of the federal the armed forces, the idea is that you know the, the military has their own set of rules, and at, for the current time, at least, they're allowed to keep them. One of the things they tried to do was make ENDA as simple and as clear as possible. And so they put exceptions in there that would make it more likely to get through Congress. I um, see. Once it's through, I think, then the possibility is to go back and remove some of those exceptions, you know, piece by piece, so that employment discrimination doesn't happen anywhere. So I see. So, like, for instance, the don't ask, don't tell was too big of a piece, so they took that part out. Um, yeah, absolutely. Got it. Okay. I was trying to, like, I don't understand. But, you know, that I'm assuming, and I think the discrimination can still happen, but they can just change the reasons, can't they? Yeah. Um, the important thing is if you feel if you're in a situation where you're being discriminated is to you start a paper trail early and often. Um, one of the things I did in my situation is I contacted my attorney, well before I was experiencing discrimination, thinking that I might. And uh, she gave me some very, very good advice about keeping records and a paper trail and, and just 
following through on all of that in a careful way. So a couple questions is one, can we have a little bit of like your story of what actually happened for those who um, aren't familiar with you, Julie? Um, and then I was also interested in maybe what are some of the things that your lawyer actually did tell you in case some of our listeners are actually experiencing this now? Oh, good. Um, I'll try to give you the short version. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come um, on. we got plenty of time, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll run over. That's right. I taught for Spring Arbor University for 16 years, and when I informed them that uh, I was uh, transgender, the initial response was fairly positive, actually, that uh, as long as I wasn't transitioning on the job, which at that time I wasn't, um, they didn't see a problem, and they would make every reasonable accommodation for me. Uh, that lasted just a few weeks before they started taking away some of my job responsibilities and uh, uh, restricting my public appearances for the university, which in the position I had as not only an associate professor but assistant dean of the largest school of the university, mm-hmm. uh, um, made it very hard for me to do my job. Absolutely. Uh, I've always received nothing but outstanding performance appraisals and even did uh, in the year that this was all going on. But um, in June of 2006, I was given a contract that reduced my pay by 20%, pretty much barred me from campus. Uh, I would teach entirely online and uh, prohibited me from talking with anybody in the university about being transgender. And if I talked with people outside of the university about being transgender, I couldn't identify myself as a Spring Harbor University employee. Okay, that seems like a 180-degree spin. So yeah. what, what happened? Um, I'm not entirely sure. My take is that they worried about their very conservative constituency finding out and uh, wanted to make it go away quietly. Um, in December of 2006, well... We filed in our EEOC complaint on October 31st, trick-or-treat, um, huh. based on some actions that they had taken. And uh, December 30th, 30th, right before uh, New Year's Eve, I received a letter saying they would not rehire me for the next year. As a faculty member, they had to give me notice by January 1st. Oh. So they cut it very close. Absolutely. At that point, I really had nothing to lose but was entirely powerless. So I went uh, to the local media uh, through a friend and uh, gave them the story. They contacted me, and uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, it was front page above the fold, headlines in the paper, and uh, about 2,600 words and two different stories uh, in the Sunday edition. So uh, from that moment on, I was getting two or three media interviews a day for about five or six weeks. Wow. <laughs> then it slowed down a while. Uh, but... Uh, that whole media attention really helped. It became time for us to uh, mediate. Mm-hmm. And so we went to mediation and uh, eventually uh, found a, a resolution that both sides were, you know, language of the settlement, mutually satisfied with. Good. Good. So what, did, so what steps did you take as this was happening to, that your lawyer advised you to do? I kept copies of emails. Um, I got information um, that uh, helped with both Title VII and Title IX claims. When we filed our EEOC complaint, we filed under Title VII and Title IX, um, the Michigan with uh, Persons with Disabilities Act and the Michigan Elliott Larson Civil Rights Law. 
Uh, we filed under all four of those, and, and by the time we filed, had a very strong case that I think would have prevailed on all four, all four counts. One of the things that's interesting is that transgender people are currently better protected in the Sixth Circuit Court, which includes Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, and Tennessee, than uh, GLB people. Mm -hmm. And that's because the Sixth Circuit Court has interpreted Title VII sex to mean and include gender expression or gender identity Mm -hmm. as well. And so um, there is a significant body of case law that has come out of not just the Sixth Circuit Court, but other courts that have given transgender people protection under federal laws that they don't have under state laws. Hmm. And my attorney right now is working to leverage that those decisions, um, has a case before the Supreme Court called Vickers uh, uh, that would expand the whole Title VII um, language or interpretation of sex under Title VII to include sexual orientation. And if that argument prevails, um, that'll be a great victory. Now, Gabe, I'm going to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about that. So, um, but That's with the, right. <laughs> sorry, Julie. Um, but Gabe, here at the University of Michigan, uh-huh. they interpret um, uh, sex on, as gender identity as well Correct. on their applicant uh, applications. Uh-huh. So, I mean, so it, and it's based off that same Sixth Circuit, Sixth Circuit yeah, Court of Appeals. Yeah, Smith v. Salem. Right. So it's based once off that this, came out, the University of Michigan changed its policy within a few few weeks. So then, would so if if your attorney um, is is successful, then would sexual orientation uh, then also be covered under that same situation? Yeah. Uh, essentially, what it would say is that Title Seven would now be interpreted to include not only gender identity and expression, but also sexual orientation. That'd be, wow, that'd be interesting. But we already covered it's a, it's a stretch, <laughs> but you know every time you try one of these things, you you advance the cause a little further. So my attorney's uh, been in the forefront of uh, of civil rights protection for LGBT people. Her name is Randy Barnaby, and she was the one that litigated Smith v. Salem. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So can can we talk about the religion cause uh, or clause yeah. um, of the? Because I think that this is where I get the most nervous. Um, I think this is the <laughs> hugest loophole, and I have to admit, Julie, you'd, you'd, I know you don't know me very well, but I have a little prejudice when it comes to religious um, actions against sexual orientation. So <laughs> bear with well, me. I, I, with cause, <laughs> not paranoia. If they really are out the kitchen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, and in your newsletter, you highlight actually three different situations um, besides um, um, regarding religion, I guess. There's like three paragraphs yeah. on it. Could you say a little bit more about these clauses? Or, Well, it's good news and bad news at the same time. On one hand, religious organizations would be exempt, but it's if they meet some certain criteria. The first one is their primary purpose has to be religious ritual or worship or the teaching or spreading of religious doctrine or belief. Now, that means that a place like Spring Arbor University wouldn't qualify when their primary purpose is a liberal arts college or a liberal arts university. Second clause, though, of the religious exemption, and it's anybody that wants to get and they can get it online, and this is uh, Section 6, covers religious organizations, 
says that for certain employees, they can be exempt. So the whole organization couldn't be exempt, but they could say that people employed, for example, in the religion department at a university uh, could be exempt from the non-discrimination law that is ENDA. And then finally, the, the final clause is the, probably the biggest loophole, but in some ways may be the most pro, pro, uh, problematic for religious organizations. If the organization can be exempt if they have religious tenets which are declared significant. Now, that language right there is what's going to bring about some court cases. What does significant mean? What does declared mean? Because the language of ENDA is clear that just because an organization has something as a religious tenant doesn't mean it is one of their significant religious tenets. So an organization would have to be on record as saying um, they are religiously opposed for these religious reasons to um, homosexual behavior or homosexual hiring homosexual people or however they worded it. But even that might not entirely protect them because Historically, the courts have been very, very reluctant to deny somebody civil rights unless uh, the organization, the religious organization, can show that it has a primary purpose that is religious and that employment in this particular job in question uh, necessitates someone not being LGBT. So you're saying, if I'm correct, that uh, someone could be, let's say there's a church, and let's say that the person is fired from this church and uh, ENDA is called into play as a defense. And if the church does not specifically prohibit, let's say, gay people in the text of their operational mission statement or something, then the court will protect the individual? Probably not for a church, um, because the primary purpose of the church would be that of religious ritual or worship. But wouldn't the religious... But if it was, if it was a religious organization, like Family Focus, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then um, whose primary purpose was not religious worship or religious ritual, um, then it, they would have to find protection in one of those other clauses, which could include that enumeration um, that we've talked about. But so, must the religious... Uh, churches organ- would almost always be exempt. And But must they specifically uh, prohibit or, or uh, not allow gay, uh, transgender, or whatever the, whatever the issue is? Must, must it be in text for them? Um, not for churches. For other organizations, yes, because... The, the, the first part of the religious exemption section says that it, you know, the act shall not apply to uh, a- employment practices of a religious corporation, association, educational, or society, which has as its primary purpose religious ritual or worship, okay. the teaching or spreading of the faith. Okay. So a, a church would certainly fall under that category and would be exempt. Okay, so, but they don't uh, have to have any policy that's that's. No, they don't. That they can just, just say, oh, we, don't other, we don't other like it. Other religious organizations would. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So then, okay, so this is, this is kind of interesting. So, that, so then in, like for instance, because I think, isn't Spring Arbor a religious organization? They're affiliated with uh, the Free Methodist Church, yes. Okay. So then in a situation where the, um, the church and the university 
um, where the church is kind of has the always is oversees the university, but the university isn't there primarily to. Um, uh, doctrine. Thank you. Exactly. To spread the doctrine, then, then that's where it gets murky. This is where the other two. It does. And they would have the right to protect certain positions that would go back to that religious qualification clause, and then they could also try to protect themselves with saying they have certain tenets of their faith that require this. Where that becomes difficult is that organizations like Spring Harbor University hire people from a lot of different faiths. And in my particular situation, they had nothing in their statement of faith that they could use um, against me. You know, they may change that very quickly. Uh, yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> but at the time, they had nothing that they could use against me. And in fact, in the denomination that they're part of, they called gender identity an ethical dilemma like end-of-life issues and organ transplants and environmental stewardship. Wow, they really did pull that. <laughs> they really pulled deep. <laughs> so wow, so because that's a, the thing. Because if you're like teaching like chemistry um, or something like that, then you're not necessarily. Because the, the problem I'm having is that I have a sister who actually goes to a university. Um, she's learning how, learning psychology, but all her papers have to involve the Christian faith. It has to speak, and prove it. Has to mention it in some way. You or, have to prove bring in the religion and the psychological theory. Like WWJD, uh, what would uh, yeah, <laughs> what, would, what would Jesus do uh, with yeah, this psychological uh, problem? Right. Who would Jesus Ex diagnose? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very what would Jesus well, diagnose. Yes. It's a very interesting and, thing. An employee so. at that kind of school would be protected unless they were in classes that were specifically involved in religious teaching. Now, right. just because they ask students to, you know, bring in their faith into a classroom wouldn't necessarily... Mm -hmm. right. The main subject is psychology, not religion. In teaching. Right. Okay. Cause because then they'd get to the point of having to say that everybody would have to have a Master of Divinity degree to teach chemistry. Mm. Oh. They aren't there. That'd be interesting. That would be very interesting. <laughs> I have a friend who's a chemist, and he's gay, and now he's got a whole new thing to study. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah really. Yeah, you can't leave yet. you got some more classes to take. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, because that's, I mean, that was where, because I was start, starting to read some blogs on this issue, and they were bringing that, that up, and I was just like, wow, that's really murky, because they were saying if, like, for instance, the university, yeah. even though it's affiliated with a church, but the church doesn't... Um, sorry for a better of a word, but a rule the or make the is the decision making body, then it doesn't apply at all. But even though they're affiliated, and I was just like, oh wow, this is some mind bending, and some loopholes that I can see happen very quickly. Because one of the things you're saying also is that is one of the things is they have to be very upfront with um. Uh, their rules of how this how this how your job or your responsibilities you know, fall under ENDA or doesn't fall under ENDA, just kind of like an exempt or non-exempt employee, you know, whether salary or yeah, not salary. Absolutely. You know, they can't wait until a discrimination uh, uh, complaint is filed and then say, well, oh, no, this is an important religious tenant for it. It'll be a little late then. Right, right. One of the things that ENDA did very well is that they used language that's already in place in existing civil rights legislation. So even this section on religious exemptions from ENDA 
is very similar to the language of Title VII. And uh, Title VII has the same kind of exceptions. Why that is good for LGBT people is that the courts have interpreted that language in Title VII very, very narrowly um, and have not given blanket approval to an organization simply because the organization says, we're a Christian group or we're a faith-based group, therefore we can discriminate. Um, Title VII hasn't bought that. Uh, the courts haven't bought that for Title VII. And, and so by using the same language in ENDA, the assumption is the courts won't buy it for ENDA either. So, so clearly this issue is multi-layered. And there are, there's lots of other things related to ENDA, like bathrooms and dress codes. There's just so much there um, that it, it just highlights the importance of, of, of this, this act. And, you know, you go to all the it trouble is, to is. have to develop the legislation and to enact it and enforce it, and it still is only one part of the challenge to oh, develop and uh, in, improve social situations. And, you know, we're, I mean, the law is there to protect us. It ought to be, right? Absolutely. Okay. Excellent. And, and, and we're gaining ground fast, you know, and I, I think... I think we're in, we're in very exciting times because the number of states that have come on board just in the last few months uh, is really encouraging. You know, Iowa, of all places, is ahead of Michigan now. And, uh, you know, wow. it's, it's, it's encouraging, you know, to see that the states are, are getting on board. The Ohio, the governor in Ohio, and now this doesn't apply to everybody in the state, but he, said, he signed an uh, order saying no state employees can be discriminated against because of sexual orientation Good or gender start. identity. So that's very narrow. But yeah. that's something that the governor was able to do on his own without having to go through the legislator. That's excellent. Well, excellent. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. This Absolutely. is was such a great conversation. Um, and people can learn more about you and your work and end up on your website, right? That's JulieNemesek.com. J-U-L-I-E-N-E-M-E-C-E-K.com. That's correct. Great. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Julie Nemesek. Thanks much. I enjoyed it. Thank you, Julie. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, one of the things I want to mention before we we end the um, our 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 show, oh. um, our little show for t- for this week. Absolutely right. Exactly. Is that coming up? The, I think it's this Saturday, is June sixteenth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Definitely. Um, we have the annual rat pride picnic. And it's, uh, yes, exactly. So it's um, this Saturday, June sixteenth, uh, twelve noon until four o'clock. It's going to be at Island Park in Ann Arbor. It's in I think it's northern northern Ann Arbor near the university. North- right near the hospital. The yeah, hospital. Right near the hospital. Right. Perfect. Um, By the water. It's down by the water. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, the only thing that um, RAP is going to be providing is basically the location and electricity. Right. Um, so all those who attend are responsible for outdoor games, portable grills, food, drink, uh, family, and smile. Bring that's your right. basket. Bring, Bring your, your yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And your picnic basket. And so that's oh. this Saturday. That's this Saturday. Right. I'm trying to, yes, exactly. So um, At 12 noon. At, and people can get more information on that on, on the RAP Resource Center website, which is RAP, W-R-A-P. Dash up dot org. Perfect. Absolutely. Mm. Any last minute check ins or or thoughts or we had a really pr- Julie was really good. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. You know, you discrimination. Know. You got you just it, vigilance. You just got to keep at it. It's something you got to keep doing. And absolutely. Uh, and it's just a never ending source of challenge because people are coming up with new ways to discriminate. Yeah. I'll tell you, there are some that I just can't. 
Oh, I uh, just I can't even. I uh, mean, it's just amazing. <laughs> I'm just like you're, you're uh, the, what they're thinking of next. I mean, are they are they sitting around in committees? What will they think of next? <laughs> <laughs> Kids say the darndest things. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Closets Are For Clothes every Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor 88.3. You can contact us by calling 734-763-3500 or writing to 530-SAB Ann Arbor, Michigan 48109. And don't forget our new email address, wcbnclosets at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the speaker and are not the opinions of WCBN or their licensees, the regents of the University of Michigan. For Dan Burns and engineer Alex Belhage, I'm Gabe Javier. Remember, be yourself because you don't get to be anyone else. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. All right, good evening. Here we are. This is now the hop on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. My name is Robert. I'm your host. <clears throat> you just heard Cluster for Clothes. And uh, now it's time for my show. I'm going to start off tonight. Uh, I had a caller last week. Someone called in, said they liked how I started off with all the uh, kind of smoother, softer soul sounds. So I plan on doing the same this week, at least for the first couple tracks, with the very first one tonight being Lamont Dozier, perhaps best known for his um, songwriting as part of the... um, uh, Motown team, <clears throat> um, Holland, Dozier, and Holland, right? Uh, anyways, and, um, this is off, a track off one of his, uh, LPs, though, called Why Can't We Be Lovers. If it was up to me, to be honest, I would play this song on repeat all night, but I'm just gonna play it once here on the hop. Thanks for listening. Sometimes I feel like there's no use in trying Why can't I face the fact we've lost But what we'll never get back I don't know where, where did we go wrong I say I'm leaving but my feelings are too strong 